This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Need basic information on legal rights on topics like employment, consumer or tenancy issues? Then join Luke and Julia on Lawfully Speaking, next on Plains FM 96.9. Welcome to another episode of Lawfully Speaking with Luke. Um, today we're going to be kind of just talking about, a, a, I suppose, a, a gathering of a few different issues. One of them we're going to be talking about is um, rules for all pets and domestic animals. Um, so we're kind of going to be talking about caring for your pets and what our owner's responsibilities are. Um, and then we'll be kind of working our way through some other kind of smaller issues that people might want to know a little bit more about. So we'll start off by kind of letting everyone know that everyone who keeps pets or other animals on their property must make sure their animal's um, physical health and behavioral needs are met. Um, This kind of just ends up meaning that you need to make sure the following things, Um, that they have clean, fresh water and enough proper food to maintain good health and weight, that the pet has adequate shelter, Um, that they're not handled in a way that causes them unreasonable or unnecessary pain or distress. Also, that they're protected from significant injury or disease, and they're given prompt treatment by a vet if they need it. Um, Finally, they also have opportunities for normal patterns of behavior, for example, adequate exercise and play. Um, And those requirements apply to anyone in charge of an animal, not just the owner. So there's specific codes of welfare for different types of animals, as well as the general requirements under the Animal Welfare Act, There are also more detailed codes of welfare for specific kinds of animals, including um, pet cats um, or companion cats, dogs, both pets and working dogs, goats, pigs, um, layer hens. These codes all recommend best practices for caring for the animals. Unlike acts and regulations, these codes aren't legally binding on you. But if you haven't met a code's minimum standard for caring for the, your animals, this will be evidence against you if you're charged under the Animal Welfare Act for failing to provide proper care. So how does the animal welfare laws um, are enforced? So poor treatment of an animal can lead to criminal charges. So for example, the SPCA inspectors bring criminal prosecution for the following. So if you fail to provide an animal with adequate food, water, and shelter, if you fail to get necessary treatment from a vet, or if there are deliberate acts of cruelty. The maximum penalties are severe. You can be jailed for up to 12 months or fined up to $50,000, or both. So the next we're going to be talking about animals causing damage or nuisance. In general, the law recognizes that people have a right to keep pets and domestic animals. In some situations, however, there may be problems because of the number of Um, or type of animals, or the noise or smell they make. If animals affect a neighbor in a way that's significant and unreasonable, this may amount to legal nuisance. And the neighbor may be able to take legal action in the courts or the disputes tribunal. 
So if domestic animals are being noisy, smelly, or smelly, or doing something else that creates a health risk, the local council can come onto your property to deal with the problem. Criminal charges can also be brought for Health Act nuisance, with fines up to $500 plus a $50 a day while the offense continues. Most local councils have bylaws covering the keeping of domestic animals in towns and cities. So, for example, Wellington City Council says you can make no more than eight chickens without getting written permission from the council. Um, while all can council limits the number to six. Um, these are not including roosters. For all urban properties smaller than 2,000 uh, square meters or half an acre. And it's just important to remember restrictions can vary from council to council, so they, they won't be the same everywhere. So let's just talk about dogs, um, specifically dogs. So care and control of your dog. So the Dog Control Act 1996 sets out the law about legal obligations of dog ownership, including their care, control, and owner responsibilities for damage caused by their dog. Local councils have bylaws about the control of dogs, the areas where dogs are allowed and when, and rules for keeping dogs. So you must make sure your dog gets proper care and attention, including enough food, water, shelter, and exercise, as we kind of talked about earlier. It's a criminal offense to fail to do this, and you can be jailed for up to three months or fined $5,000. If your dog is ill or injured, you must make sure it gets treatment for unreasonable, unnecessary pain or distress. Again, there are criminal penalties if you don't do this. So the Animal Welfare um, Care and Procedures Regulations 2018. Um, these are also um, rules for specific situations and issues. So muzzles. You must make sure that your muzzle doesn't physically harm the dog or stop it from breathing normally, drinking, panting, or vomiting. At home, your dog must have access to dry, ventilated, fully shaded area that's big enough for it to lie down, stand up, turn around naturally, and where the dog isn't too hot or too cold. Dogs left in cars. So you have to make sure that the dog isn't um, compulsively um, looking for the coolest, most shaded part of the car and isn't showing one or more signs of heat distress. Um, this, these could be um, excessive panting or excessive drooling or hyperventilation. So when dogs on a moving vehicle, so if your dog is on an open deck or trailer on a public road, you have to use something like a cage or short tether to make sure the dog doesn't fall off or hang off the deck or trailer. If you're concerned about someone else's dog being mistreated, you can contact the local SPCA, the, lo the, council's, um, the local council's dog control officer, or the police. So when we think about control of dogs, a dog owner must keep their dog under control at all times, even when at home. So if a dog is found on someone else's property or in a public place and it's not under control, it can be seized by a dog control officer or a dog ranger and returned to its owner or impounded. Other than working dogs, if a dog is not on a leash in, a pub in public, then its owner must carry a leash. Even so, many councils require the dogs are on a leash in certain public places. Um, and signs would be a, a way of uh, kind of letting you know what spaces those are. So just a note here, if you have an assistance dog or a disability assist dog, you can bring them into any public place. Damage done by dogs. So a dog owner is generally responsible for any damage their dog does, for example, digging up a neighbor's plants.
If the dog owner doesn't agree to pay for the damage, the neighbor can make a complaint to the dispute tribunal. Registration and microchipping. So by the time a dog is three months old, it must be registered and it must be registered annually for the rest of its life. Dogs also have to be microchipped when they're first registered. However, this doesn't apply to working farm dogs, that is those kept only or mainly for herding or driving stock. Barking dogs. If a neighbor's dog is causing nuisance by persistent and loud barking or howling, you can complain to the dog control section of the local council. A dog control officer or dog ranger can do the following. They can go onto the neighbor's property at any reasonable time to inspect the conditions under which the dog is kept, and whether or not they do an inspection, give the neighbor a written notice requiring them to stop the dog causing a nuisance, and if necessary, remove the dog from the property. Most councils will only serve a notice if they've received more than one complaint. The neighbor has the right to object to the the notice to the local council within seven days. The local council will decide whether to confirm, change, or cancel the notice. If the neighbor does object, the views of the person who complained can be heard. Unless the notice is canceled, it is an offense not to comply with the notice. The penalty is a fine up to $1,500. The dog control officer or ranger may also remove the dog. So what about dangerous dogs or dogs attacking people or animals? If you see a dog attacking a person, you have the right to seize or destroy the dog to stop the attack. You can also seize or destroy a dog if you see it attacking any livestock, um, for example, sheep or poultry or any domestic animal like a cat or other dog or any protected wildlife. If a dog rushes at, startles, or attacks a person, animal, or vehicle causing someone to be endangered, injured, or killed, or causing any property to be damaged, or endangered, any person can also seize or destroy that dog. If that dog is seized, it must be handed over to dog control officer, a dog ranger, or to the police as soon as practicable. They can either impound the dog, or if it's not practicable, destroy it. The owner of the dog can be fined up to $3,000 and made to pay any damages caused by the attack. If the dog has caused serious injury to a person or has killed any protected wildlife, or injured it so badly its destruction is necessary to prevent further suffering, the owner is liable for up to three years imprisonment and a fine up to $20,000. The court must also order destruction of the dog unless there are special circumstances. So dog fighting. Dog fighting is illegal in New Zealand, and so is any other animal fighting of any kind. It's illegal not just at the time the fight happens. It's against the law to own, possess, um, train, or breed dogs or other animals for the purposes of using them in fights. So now we're going to be talking about cats. Um, Cats and care and control of your cat. So taking care of your cat. Cat owners have the responsibility and the welfare Animal Welfare Act. Um, There's also specific CATS Code of Welfare, which has detailed standards and requirements. And um, it's important to know you don't have to register your cat. Uh, So damage caused by pet cats. It's generally accepted that cats are allowed to wander onto people's property, and the owner isn't responsible for any damage they do. Cats can cause a lot of damage to wildlife. There are no laws about this, but the SBCA and the Forest and Bird have guidelines for responsible cat ownership that includes 
desexing cats that aren't intended for breeding, putting bells on cats to help warn birds and discourage hunting, and keeping your cat inside at night. There will always be noise in any neighborhood. This is usually only a problem if the people or businesses are being very loud or if they're trying to be annoying. So what happens if you're making too much noise at home? Um, you have the right to do normal things in your home, including having parties. If a neighbor thinks you're making too much noise, they can complain to the environmental health section of their local council. An enforcement officer will usually come and investigate. In practice, whether an enforcement officer thinks the noise is excessive or too much might depend on the time of day. You can usually have a normal party noises in the evening, but after 10 or 11 p.m., depending on your local council's policy, you should turn the music right down. Some practical advice to get your, your neighbors and be friendly. People are much less likely to complain if they know and like you. Also, if you know your neighbors have young children or someone who's ill or other particular needs for peace and quiet, you might be able to think about ways to avoid being too noisy or to find a compromise that works for everyone. It's important to note that excessive noise um, is noise under human control and of such nature as to unreasonably interfere with the peace, comfort, and convenience of any person. Excessive noise directions from the local council for short-term problems. So this is a situation if an enforcement officer from the local council thinks you're making too much noise, for example, loud music at a party, they can issue an excessive noise direction, or an end, ordering you to reduce the noise to a reasonable level. The direction takes effect straight away and lasts for three days, so this is 72 hours. If you don't obey the, the direction, the enforcement officer, officer can come back with the police and take away the source of the noise, like stereo or other sound equipment. Abatement, notices from the local council for ongoing problems. So, unlike excessive noise directions, councils usually issue abatement, notice, abatement notices in response to ongoing noise problems that can't be reduced immediately. So an example of this would be noise from a factory. Usually a council will have measured noise levels over a period of time. And enforcement officers can issue an abatement notice where there's unreasonable noise that's having an adverse effect on the environment. So what is unreasonable noise? Um, it will depend on your local council standards set out in rules, plans, and resource consents. The abatement notice requires the person responsible to stop the unreasonable noise or reduce it to a reasonable level within a specified period of time. An abatement notice can order that the occupier of land adopt the best practices option of ensuring that the noise does not exceed a reasonable level. Um, the notice will last indefinitely unless the council cancels it or the notice is successfully appealed in an environment court. Enforcement orders from the courts. Anyone can apply to the environment court for an enforcement order to stop, stop activity that causes or may cause excessive or unreasonable noise. Generally, the person applying will need an expert advice. Example from an acoustic consultant um, would be an example of this. Um, what if I hear family violence in my neighborhood? So if you or someone else is in immediate danger, you can call the police by dialing 111. If you're worried that someone in your neighborhood has experienced ongoing family violence, you can call your local police station. There are also different helplines you can call as well for advice, including Shine Helpline. This is 0508-744-633. Uh, 
Um, another line you could call is it's not okay information line. This is 0800-456-450. Um, there's also a women's refuge crisis line. The number for this is 0800-REFUGE or 0800-733-843. So now we're going to be talking about begging, busking, and sleeping rough. Um, so all people in New Zealand have the right to freedom of movement. In other words, this is the right to go where you want to go and live where you want to live. The government has to have a good reason before it can restrict that right. Different councils and around the country make bylaws that affect your rights to do some things in public areas, like begging, busking, and sleeping on the street. Councils are supposed to respect your right to freedom of movement and to be careful about restricting it. To find out what the local council laws are in any of these things, go to the council's website or do a Google search for that specific area, or for example, busking in Rotor or wherever you're interested in going. You can ask a librarian or use the internet at a public library to help you with this in most places if you don't have access to internet. So asking people for money. So asking people for money, sometimes called soliciting, is illegal is legal unless there is a local council bylaw against it. A number of councils say you can do it as long as you're not causing a nuisance or bothering people. So if you're just sitting on a footpath with a sign, that's fine in most places. If you're blocking too much of the footpath, though, this could be a minor offense under New Zealand's criminal law. It's a criminal offense to interfere unreasonably with normal movement along a footpath or in a mall or arcade. If you keep doing this after the police officer has warned you about it, the police can arrest you for this, and if you're convicted in court, you can be charged up to $1,000 as a fine. It's also against the law if you come back to the same spot or another spot nearby after being warned. The police don't have to give you a fresh warning in those cases. To find out the local rules in your area, you'll need to check with the council, so go to their website or visit the council's office to ask what the law is. Make sure the council's staff are telling you the law and not just giving you their opinion. Or again, you could go to your nearest community law center and find out. So here's some information about begging rules in some of the main centers. So Auckland City Council has a public safety and nuisance bylaw that bans any person um, begging that's done in a way that may intimidate or cause nuisance to any person. So Hamilton City Council has a safety and public spaces bylaw that bans nuisance behavior, which includes begging that is likely to cause harassment, alarm, or distress any reasonable person, or cause unreasonable interference or convenience of any person. Napier City Council has a public places bylaw that says you need permission from the council before you ask for money or busk on public footpaths. In 2017, the police charged three beggars with breaching this bylaw, but later dropped the charges with the city council saying the rule was intended for buskers and street appeals, not beggars. Wellington City Council has said clearly that it will not introduce any, any anti-begging laws. Christchurch City Council gave up on plans to introduce an anti-begging law bylaw in 2015 after deciding it would be too hard to enforce it. Tauranga City Council did have a bylaw that banned begging within five meters of the doorway of a retail premises, like a shop, cafe, or restaurant, or bar. However, this was revoked on the 27th of February 2020 and is no longer in effect. So we'll be talking specifically about busking here, so performing and asking for money. 
So in most places, busking, that is performing in public, hoping people will give you money, is allowed. But local rules usually also put up some restrictions around this. These rules are usually about things like how long you can busk in one place, what times of the day you can busk, what parts of town you can perform in, and so on. There may be extra restrictions for dangerous things like fire performances. If you're asking your audience for money, you should make sure you don't pressure them or get in their way. Harassing people or causing nuisance in a public place is usually illegal, even if there's no specific rules about busking. In some places, you need to apply for a busking license. This might be free or there might be a small fee. People under 14 sometimes need their parents' commission to get a license. You'll need to check with the council for local rules, go onto their website, or visit their council office to ask what specifically the law is. Whether you're busking, begging, or sleeping rough, the laws against blocking the footpath or public access um, will apply to you. So, sleeping rough. So, if you have no home to sleep in and you want a home, there are a few agencies that can help you. You can start by going to your local council office to be referred to the most useful places. If you want to or need to sleep outside, you have the right to do that, and except in some places where the local council has made it illegal to sleep on a public footpaths and roads. For example, Nelson has a law that says no one can sleep on or occupy a public footpath or road during the hours of darkness. In Hamilton, the bylaw says that you can't sleep in a public place if you're in people's way or causing obstruction. So where to go... Um, for help if you need a home. So to apply for housing ends at home or state house, you or to get help with your emergency housing from the government, you need to start by talking to work and income. You can call them on 0800-559-009. Or if you're over 65, you could call senior services on 0800-552-002. In every town or city, your local council will have details of local agencies that can help if you are in need of a home. There are also other services available. So here's an example. Um, when you are and when you're not obstructing the footpath. Um, so this is from a case. So well-known local figure Nelson was charged by the police with obstructing the footpath under the summary offenses in 1981. He was found guilty in the district court but appealed and won in the high court. In this case, the man, um, and some signs he usually had with him, took up an area around 6 meters long and 1.5 meters wide on a footpath in Nelson. That was at least 6 meters wide at that point. Judge said that the wide enough for other people to get past, and they had about 4.5 meters, so the man wasn't unreasonably blocking the footpath in that area. The judge said normal passage doesn't mean that other people must have complete and unrestricted access to the whole width of the footpath. So, if people could easily walk around the man and his signs without delaying their progress, then what was he doing wasn't unreasonable and he wasn't guilty. The judge also pointed out there was no evidence of any threatening behavior by the man. He was simply there with his signs. The judge said, in effect, that if a passerby found him and his appearance distasteful and so wanted to give him a wide berth, like crossing the road before they got to him, then that was their choice. He shouldn't be held criminally responsible for them not wanting to walk past him. That has been another episode of Lawfully Speaking with Luke. I hope you've uh, kind of uh, found the information useful today. It was kind of a, a bit of a hodgepodge of different um, 
topical issues that we might um, all be a little bit more curious about, and hopefully these answers um, were helpful. Um, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas and a long and um, extended break. Cheers. Cheers.